0: This week on Dig Me Out. With your host
1: Jason Dia
2: and Tim Minnichi. Jay, this week we're back with another one of our patrons' picks. A pick of Patreon pack. Pa- <laughs> Too many Ps. <laughs> a Jay, pack of Patreon picks? A pack of... Pa- uh, yeah. This week, Jay, joining us... We- this is always confusing when we do this. It took us a week to get this straight, but I, I-, I figured it out. Uh, joining us from... Uh, other side of the planet in the future it's uh the next day and uh we haven't heard any any good news yet about soccer matches or football as they call them in the rest of the world maybe he'll maybe uh, he'll talk in here too it's okay okay if you give us some scores you know back to the future style uh that would be awesome i can go run down to my bookie and bet him uh, jason pan welcome to the show
0: good evening guys thanks for having me
2: so tell everyone the record that you picked for your 12-month selection, and why did you pick it?
0: Look, I've picked Manson's second album, Six. Look, it's, it's something I came to in retrospect, like most of my 90s stuff. I'm, I'm a bit younger than you guys. I didn't start uni until the 2000s. And uh, yeah, just had a Radiohead-loving friend who had me a mix CD of uh, these guys, and I guess of all their discography which was pretty much all recorded by that stage, this was the album I really latched onto. And, you know, even compared to things like the bends or, you know, the seminal albums from the nineties, this is something I revisit quite regularly. So really it's, it's a big long album, but I'm just really interested to see whether, you know, you share the opinion, whether it's awesome or whether it's just a hot mess. (laughs)
2: There's (laughs) definitely discussion out there about what this album is and, and, uh, whether it's on one end of the spectrum or the other that you mentioned, Jay, you were familiar with Manson, both the band and this record, right?
1: Yeah, I have. Um, what is it? Attack of the Great Lantern. Yep, I have that. Um, I Which have both we versions, the U.S. and the U.K. version.
2: Oh, um, fancy. You. Yeah,
1: so I don't know that I ever heard this record though. Oh. So I I, I remember I got the the other record when it came out. Um, I think I just lost track of the band. Um, with the amount of music that was being released there at the late nineties. And I never, I don't know that I ever listened to this record.
2: Interesting. Okay. I did get this record. It's the one after this, which I believe is called little kicks. It came out in yeah. the two thousands. So we will not be, uh, reviewing that record unless someone pays an exorbitant amount of money for us to do so. <laughs> uh, because we can be bought
0: probably for the best.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I've actually heard this record and I remember, uh, when it came out, because that's back in my uh, post-college move to Columbus, visiting the Virgin Megastore, buying the Enemy a lot. And uh, this, reviewed, this got reviewed in 99. Uh, so this actually came out. There's Manson's second record. It came out in September of 1998 in the UK. And then it was released in the US in April of 1999. I don't know about for the rest of the world. Uh, where that falls. I don't know if Australia was in 98 or 99, but those are within, you know, September to April. That's within about six months of each other. So it's not too far off. I did not pick up a UK import. The version that I have is the US run order, which uh, the track listing for this is slightly different. It's 11 songs. They rearranged the tracks a little bit. They also uh, have a completely different mix and length of the title track six. On the U.K. version, that song is eight minutes long. It's the b- first track on the album. And on the U.S. version, which was uh, re-recorded by Arthur Baker, um, it's three minutes and 56 seconds, so half the length. And then overall, it's a shorter record. It's 11 songs. The U.K. version has thir- 14, Well, 13 songs. Uh, there's also an interlude in the middle of the album. And then there's a Japanese version, which has a 14th song. Uh, and then there was also a ton of B-sides from, there were four different EPs released around this record uh, with multiple B-sides. They basically recorded a whole nother album worth of B-sides. So a lot of songs, a lot of songs. And we got some comments on it, Jay. From our patrons. Let's hear them. All right. So Peter Matheson said, first, This album is a masterpiece. The fact it is not revered in the way that OK Computer or Automatic for the People is, is just beyond me. Very much an album, also in the truest sense, rather than a collection of songs, which is why I totally agree with Jason. I did not read your comment yet. I'll get to it. Uh, On the superiority of the original 1998 UK version, the US version includes a catchier single version of the title track and does some horrible resequencing to front load the hits. On a positive note, Expect a deluxe, deluxe version in the same spirit as the just re-released Attack of the Grey Lanterns. Now, I believe that these are both being, this year is Attack of the Grey Lanterns. That was released on a double vinyl. And I think uh, next year, six comes out and it'll also be double vinyl uh, with a re-release. Um, and you mentioned the in your comments, Jason, about the track listing being different in the UK and the US. And, uh, you know, removing a lot of the, uh, in the four minutes of uh, the re-record, it's uh, missing some nuance in that song. Um, And then a lot of the songs, got, which did get rearranged, also got edited in the uh, process of reordering the album. So there is a bit of a difference in these records. Um, So when we're talking about the album for our listeners on the podcast, we'll be talking about tracks their names rather than a uh, track order, because that can get confusing. If I say track five and it's different in the UK version, or I should say the non U S version, the U S version is the only one that's like that. And then every, the rest of the world got what was originally intended, including different artwork, which I don't know why they felt the need to change the artwork. It's not like it was the cover of appetite for destruction or something like that. I mean, it's, it's just a painting on the original artwork.
0: I think they got over the original artwork pretty quickly. Uh um, they, pretty much disarm it
2: now oh okay interesting because they actually commissioned the artwork so i guess they uh had second thoughts about that um and then whitney beeler said first time listener here peter's right it's certainly an album there's no singles that i can hear except for maybe six it's an odd album but i think i respect it even though i don't really get it i guess it requires me to listen to it again I would say that that's true of all albums except for maybe Kid Rock. (laughs) You pretty much get that the first time. You pretty much get it the first time. Hey, luckily, we don't have to do a history of the band because we already did that the first time we reviewed Manson in episode 214, Attack of the Grey Lantern. We already went through their history, so we can just skip to just talking about this record and remind people that they can go to patreon.com forward slash dig me out to leave comments on episodes like this and then get them read right on the air and then also be eligible for contests and get bonus content and what have you other things and of course our polls are very important life-changing polls jay which we will have a new one coming <laughs> up very soon it'll change someone's life it could be yours we'll see all right six jay american jay uh um, <laughs> okay I'm gonna, or I'm gonna, I'm gonna call you Jason US. Okay. Like, uh, like, like frames, the frames DC. DC. There you go. Yeah. Right. Bush right. X. Uh, tell me one thing you liked about Six by Manson.
1: Well, I think this is a band that has a they have a unique sound, but it's familiar enough where it's accessible, and I am always a, um, a sucker for that. Um, just you know, out of the gate, first blush, when you turn on a song or a record um that's kind of my sweet spot you know i like things that are just familiar enough that it pulls me in and it feels somewhat comfortable but then challenges me so i think largely that re- this record does that i like uh, overall i like most of the production here i like the singer a lot it can be hooky it's got some good performances on it and you know for the most part they well, I think on this record they start to stretch it, but there, there's a, um, you know, a pop alternative kind of format, rock format for the songwriting.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, where it challenges is that that format, at least on this record, they start to break. So they start to introduce new types of sounds and layers and textures and technology, and the songwriting starts to stretch. So I, I think in terms of... Um, you know, just an overall uh, piece of work. I, I think it's um, it, it has a lot to to like um, in terms of just the using familiar um, kind of for, uh, familiar sounds and familiar approaches in terms of you know alternative rock, but then uh, exploring some new places um, that uh, can be challenging. Uh, some of it's successful, some of it isn't. But I, I think it um it's it's always interesting um at least the first couple of listens um to see where this band's going to go uh where they're going to twist or where they're going to turn what what kind of things they're going to do and, and i think largely the the vocal for me is what kind of holds me into the record you know I, I look for if a record is challenging it kind of needs an anchor uh for me to get to get through it all and i think uh the vocals on this record really uh help bring it all together to sound cohesive, but also it's, it's the thing that, that kind of pulls me through the, the whole experience. So those are my likes.
2: Okay. Other Jason. <laughs> uh, when was the last time you listened to this record? Is this something you go back to often, or is this something that you had not listened to in a while?
0: No, as I, as I, as I said earlier, I think it's something that you know I'd, I'd put on every month or so pretty okay. regularly. And, you know, listen to it from beginning to end. It, it doesn't, because everything's segued into each other. I mean, particularly right. on the UK track list, it is, um, you know, it's hard. You're kind of looking at a cohesive piece. And, right. you, you, you know, when thinking about what we'll get to later, which is where it, where it sits in EP album sort of territory, it's almost like elements of different riffs all jammed in together for 70 minutes. And I think that's how it, you know, unfolded. They they didn't have much written when they went into the studio. They had a lot of time in the studio, obviously, um, to to kind of flesh it out. But mm-hmm. they've just kind of almost Metallica style, just taken this, you know, series of riffs and just 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 um, jammed them in together to make an album. Um, yeah. So it means you, you over the course of a song, you can go through, you know, six or seven different parts or movements or
2: yeah from what i read uh the band was touring, and they were just you know writing stuff during like sound checks and then sort of filing them away and then just had this like massive amount of just riffs that they hadn't really co he there was no cohesion yet, and then they went in the studio and were sort of jamming all together on on songs and building stuff up and a lot of the time it sounded like when either so the two guitar players are Paul and Chad and when one would be like playing a, the riff the other one would like grab an eventide harmonizer or something or some rack effect and like start messing with the other person's <laughs> riff to create like weird textures and sounds and uh there there was a lot of experimentation that went on which is what you mentioned about them being in the studio for a long time they were really like using the studio which you can really definitely hear that on this record. I think that's what makes it both, you know, in the longer UK version, but in the US version as well, there's a lot of experimentation. The US version, they move the more radio-friendly songs up front. But once you get to track, like, five, you start to hear them messing around and and using the studio as an instrument, which is something that I really responded to. I mean, the, the first couple songs, six... Uh, Negative is probably my favorite song on the record I think the Some of the guitar stuff that's going on in there Is really really interesting and cool And it's just this perfect little Like four minute long single for me
0: Stop you looking miserable
2: get into songs like anti-everything which has these little weird guitar parts throughout it and then um you know longer tracks like cancer or being a girl which are built around like uh, a lot of very moody and instrumental movements that uh i know that we we mentioned this band as being sort of connected to Britpop in in certain ways but uh they're really stretching out away from Britpop into like much more experimental territory on the back half of the, at least the U S release with so much instrumental music, which to, to my ears, they pull off. I mean, I th- I find it very engaging and very interesting what they're doing in terms of these like pink Floyd esque soundscapes at times. And still sounds organic. I mean, it doesn't sound like they're sitting on the computer and, and, you know, doing a, a ton of effect work. Or, or at a rack, you know, mount system or whatever, it sounds like it's, you know, guys on guitars just completely messing around with the sounds coming out of their amps and stuff like that, messing with pedals, messing with effects, and it really works for me. Uh, the few tracks that don't work we'll get to later, but um, there's a there's a real, like, cohesiveness to the experimentation that I think carries through the whole record because the guitar playing is so interesting and and wild, and you can just sort of lose yourself in just listening to all the guitar stuff that's going on in each song. Jason, Australia, <laughs> I'm just gonna come up with different nicknames <laughs> each each time. Um, has the things that you uh, enjoy about the record changed over the years? You mentioned that you know you first encountered the band on like a mixtape that friend gave you. I imagine that's a different listening experience when you're listening to maybe a couple songs, and maybe a different track order. Uh, that sort of thing, as opposed to listening to the record. What sort of things did you respond to when you first heard the record or first heard the band? Well,
0: yeah, I guess for me, Manson, the strengths of Manson always been Paul Draper's melodies and the kind of semi-odd backing vocals that they mm-hmm. form around it. And then all the accents that the, the, guitar, the second guitarist, Dominic Chad comes in with. It's just the interplay. They, they just, I just think they're really strong melodically and you know while uh, chad's not shredding or anything the just the accents are just really interesting and it's just those that one two between those two guys not to denigrate the rhythm section but it's it's really the those two guys up front which are, are bringing it for me
2: j u s uh <laughs> this being uh, your first exposure to this record but not to manson were there was this to you an improvement over the first record, or a decline, or what was your take in terms of what we've heard before from the band? Well, I think it
1: was pretty clear what what Jason described in terms of them probably not having a ton of material figuring this out as they went. So with that kind of process, you you, you run the risk of not having the same level of songwriting potentially than if you were to, you know spend, years you know playing as a band and and honing your craft and also writing songs and writing songs and you know only keeping the best ones and then recording them um so I think the first record has i think better songwriting um mm-hmm. i think it's more, more coherent as a, uh, as a statement um i think this is i guess i appreciate it for what it is um to go back to my you know my earlier what I liked you know it i like i like catalogs you know I like bands that have two three four or more records that when you stitch them together you can see a progression but um you also see who they are right so i I think in terms of that this is going in new places that that are interesting and sometimes work and then uh, sometimes don't and you know they're, they're taking a risk so there's something noble about that there's something compelling about that but i think the first record is more cohesive record i think the songs are better Um, so if I had to pick one of the two to listen to it would probably be that one Um, but I do respect and appreciate and and enjoy aspects of them going in a new direction and and trying to use this like you said Tim, use the studio as an instrument and and figure out uh, some new sounds.
2: You know it's weird, I think overall, I I agree with you, the first record as an overall piece is is better, but I find myself I think that this has some of the best singular songs in like Six and Negative and Legacy. I think Legacy is an amazing song. Uh, it's sort of like this big grandiose... I know at the, on the UK version, it's in the back end of the record, but it's a great track three. If you feel
0: transition to
2: That yeah you're right they they are they just are flat in terms of not not up to par with the melodies that Paul Draper is able to write on the on the really good songs,
1: yeah, and I think even like I like legacy a lot when I sat down and did my notes though on that song, I found like they get to that chorus or or whatever that sequence of of sections is out of the verse, and th- there's some there's some moments in there that are really cool, but it seems like there's like one too many parts. Like they're, it's like just one level too complicated in terms of what they're stitching together there. So while I like that song a lot, I, I guess when I, when I really analyzed it, it felt a little too complex or a little hmm. too like not quite refined yet. Like if the band were to play that for another year, they might go through and scrutinize it a little bit more and simplify some sections or strengthen some others. So I I definitely feel like the first half of the record is the best half. And I think that's one of the better songs in the record. But it's just for me it was one of those examples of um it maybe just not being as refined as I would like it to be.
2: That's interesting. I, I really like that song because he does a weird thing with the chorus where the first time he sings it through, he sings it in a regular voice. And then when he comes back around, he sings the same, like the same melody and the same lyrics, but he sings them an octave higher for, to start the chorus, which makes it sound like it's a different part, but it's actually the same part. He just sings it one octave higher he sings it as a falsetto instead of in his regular voice. But it's just like the first line of the second time through, which I just thought was like a clever songwriting thing. But I could understand if you're hearing that, you're thinking it's another modulation of what he's already doing. I know there's like four different parts. So that's because you have your verses and then you, there's like a pre-chorus part. And then there's a yeah. uh, a repetitive bridge to that song. Uh, what,
1: what would you call that, the, the Marquis de Sade section? I'd say what, what, a, what is that?
2: That's a pre-chorus to me. Pre-chorus to it's, me, it, yeah. it's only It's only like two two measures, so it's pretty quick to get through to that. Because uh, I
1: love that, that little dynamic when he brings that melody in and he goes there, and all of a sudden it kind of like pulls off the gas and goes in a different direction. And it's just one of those things of like, I like that, does it need to be there?
2: Like mm-hmm. it doesn't quite... I think they suffer from repetitive fatigue in that song. Especially, uh, they hit the parts a lot, and they hit yeah. the especially the coda of "Nobody Cares When You're Gone." I mean, they must have, he must sing that twenty times in that song, right?
1: Well, it's six minutes, right? Six minute song. So,
2: so I mean, I don't know if that needed an edit or if it needed an instrumental part at some point that carried it a little bit f- further.
0: The dangers of having your lead lead songwriter be the producer as well.
2: Yeah. That's that is true. He's not gonna stop, he's not gonna cut his own vocal out <laughs> when he's uh when he's in the editing uh section of uh of the record. I think um
1: anti everything to me is one of the one of the standout tracks that, that shows the guitar work mm-hmm. um, that you talked about, Jason. And just the really cool like counter melody in the chorus um with the between the guitar and the vocal it just shows what when when they're working on all cylinders it's it's that vocal and that and the those interesting guitars interplaying with each other in a way that's you know uh, unique i I don't know of any other i mean there's sections of that song or the whole song where I, i don't think that sounds like any other band you know there's you wouldn't you would not mistake that for anything other than them um which is I think when it's obviously they the best
2: That song is also a highlight for the rhythm section, especially the drummer. Mm-hmm. He's, he's doing a lot of interesting accents, and there's times where he like he does like double times like fills and stuff. Yeah, it's cool uh, beat too. Yeah, and it, negative is also like that. Negative is like played in halftime, but then yeah. he does these like real quick double time or regular time fills, and uh, you know parts that really accent and elevate the playing which in a, in a band that jams and does long instrumental passages, that kind of stuff can get lost. You can, the drummer can be stuck just sort of keeping time <laughs> at points. And uh, he's always doing something interesting. And I find, I found myself like listening to like, okay, how many times is he playing, you know, the hi hat on this section versus you know, the next time he plays it in a slightly different way, and just listening to those like little weird things that drummers do that may, you know people on a very casual listen might not pick up, but you can tell that he put the time in to like figure out little weird ways to make things slightly different. Yeah. Uh, so that was appreciated because I listened to this a lot. I was in the car a lot the last couple weeks, and I had I threw for the first time in I don't know how many years I actually listened to a CD in my car. Those
1: yeah, I know. I wouldn't even know how to do that. Well, <laughs> if my car is a CD player, I wouldn't, I would have no idea how to use it.
2: Some cars today, Jay, don't even have CD players.
1: Well, I'm saying mine does, and I don't know how to use it. Well,
2: Jay, you just put the little disc in the little slot,
1: it doesn't yeah. have a slot, it has a CD player, but there's
2: no slot. I don't know where it's at. What, yeah, what do
1: you like? The put the it in, underneath the car,
2: you put it in the gas tank, and it. Anyway, I had to drive to New York, so I had, like, five and a half hours to kill. So I just put this in and uh, listened to it, you know, seven times in a row. It was a good listen.
1: Did it skip?
2: No. I, w- Jay, none of the CDs I own have a scratch on them. No, I'm kidding. I get a, I get a, I go through weekly and... and
1: I'm, re- I'm remembering a, my first portable CD player I put in the car and hooked up oh, to okay. the headphone
2: no, no, no. This is, Before oh, they had anti-skip. No, this... this Yeah. No, this is not a Walkman that's, uh, that's attached by wires to my to my car. This is actually built into the car.
1: <laughs> you don't have a Discman? No. With the anti-skip turned on?
2: Well, and I won't get a new car again because they don't have CD players, so I'm, yeah. I'm going to be driving a 2014 Kia for the rest of my life to make sure I keep the CD player. I'm sorry. Uh, it's all right. So I think we've talked a little bit about maybe some of the things that didn't work. Jason, you mentioned that you had some maybe some issues with regards to, or, or not maybe issues, but uh, there were some concerns about some of the, some of the length and some of the not being fully formed going into the studio. Are those the primary issues or do you have other, anything else that you want to bring up regarding this record? Which Jason you're after there. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Jason, Australia.
0: (laughs) Uh, Look, you know, it's, it is a long record, but it, it, has never felt overlong to me, even uh, respecting the UK tracklist, which, um, as you know, pegs a little bit more in there. Uh, It's got some of the tracks that are missing from the US tracklist, like Inverse Midas and Witness to a Murder, are a bit slower, you know, a bit different textures, and they kind of break up the record in a more natural kind of sides, vinyl-esque sides. Um, So the length has never been a problem. Uh, I think by what they did, to, I think six is the strongest track to me. So for to not actually have that in its full form on the uh, US track list is a bit of travesty, in my opinion. Um, and uh, honestly, I don't. I'm not particularly a huge fan of legacy, so I'm quite happy with it where it was in the back end of the uh, the track list. And then with being a girl, bringing bringing out the album. So what a bizarre choice to put.
1: A remix version of the this title track and probably the best track on the record and not offer the original version i I cannot wrap my head around how that choice was made and it's even uh the us uh, at least the version on itunes it uh it says in parentheses the arthur baker remix which when i started playing it, i was like well surely the original mix is somewhere in here right and i'm looking through the tracks and looking around the other albums and i'm like where's the original like what the hell's going on yeah
0: i think the u.s record company um look uh, they they came out with this after coming off a number one record in the uk and they just left paul draper to produce it again and and you know when it did come out uh they got a bit of a panic and i think it it largely fell flat due to you know the u.s record company didn't know what to do with it they didn't get the touring backing that they they did on Gray Lantern. and um you know I, I think
1: that kind of killed their u s career well the the record label certainly didn't do many favors between I, I, I don't know I haven't heard the original. I mean i I, I like the sound of that song I, I I'm curious to hear the original, but just it's just odd to change it and then sequencing, there's obviously some issues here because. Uh, for me, the record takes a hard left turn when Fallout starts, and you hear that Nutcracker theme.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> um, that is a "what the fuck is going on" moment. Um, and then the record it like struggles to get back in track with the, the way the sequencing works, because that's just a bizarre song that has some it has some sections that are kind of cool, like Bowie-esque, almost space-hoggy, kind of campy British pop music feel yeah which could have worked in the record but it's i I don't get the nutcracker thing at all i i I hate when bands do stuff like that it just it distracts me um because then i'm like how do i know this melody and where did it come from and i'm on fucking wikipedia looking for (laughs) like christmas songs because i'm like this sounds like a christmas song that i vaguely remember and i'm spending time trying to figure out where this came from instead of listening to the record you know what's funny
2: Um, is my daughter identified it in like two seconds while we were in the car (laughs) When we were driving to New York, it came on and she was like, Hey, the Nutcracker. And I was like, It took me 20 <laughs> minutes to figure out what this was. Right.
1: You were like me then. You're like, I, This has something to do with Christmas. I know that.
0: But I not Yeah, I, don't I was like, What are these this.
2: bells? I know what these bells are. I just can't yeah. place it. <laughs> uh.
0: The uh, the joke the Draper does, and he's, he did it like a 10th anniversary quite lengthy blog on this album and the joke draper makes about the uh Plum fairy was that they spent all their sample money on trying to get a uh, a sky news sample for television from uh news international and uh so they didn't have any money for any more samples so they just had to go for something old and free
1: okay
2: (laughs) Uh. all right (sighs)
1: sure uh but that, but that opens a very experimental, odd section of the record, and then it ends with being a girl, which I think is a really cool song. Yeah, the verse sounds like Vintage Police, which you didn't hear a hell of a lot of in the '90s. The chorus is a different feel to entirely, but man, that that verse sounds a lot like a police song.
2: It reminded oh, me of uh, Manix, of uh, like this is my truth, tell me yours. Era Manix.
0: Yeah, I think they supported the Manix around that time too.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. So hopefully, Jay, both Jasons, uh, next year we'll be getting what was the the Attack of the Great Latin release will be also for six in that they released it as a three CD plus a DVD, uh, in addition to a double gatefold vinyl both in black and a special like colored version uh you know special artwork and stuff like that and then um all the outtakes and demos and rarities and stuff from the first record they they did in this massive box set basically for that record so hopefully we'll get the same thing next year for uh for six because i think that that definitely deserves it it would be nice be able to get a, a CD box set that has both the UK and the US versions in one, so I could compare the two. Especially, I'd like to hear the two different versions of the title track because I don't know what the UK version sounds like in comparison. So, like j US, I am interested to know what the heck was going on with that. So, and Jay, you, you mentioned that, you know, this sort of the band kind of got shafted in terms of u.s exposure i mean there was a tiny bit of write up on the first record but not like you know it wasn't like prime Britpop pop era oasis blur pulp that kind of stuff it was it was much more muted and much less i think you know maybe like rolling stone and spin printed reviews on them but that was about it i don't remember seeing videos for the band yeah, I've certainly
0: never never heard them on the radio in Australia. Yeah, uh, so yeah, I think there's only a handful of a uh, handful of fans out here. But uh, given there was an Australian that requested Grey Lantern" last time, then I think there's a there's a few serious ones. Uh, I'm just uh,
1: to go back to my amazement at what what the record company did with this. But I guess I don't get has this ever worked where. You know, you get a record from a band, maybe he's not from your region, um, they're successful, you basically don't, the A&R guy doesn't get it, and he decides to change it. Has that ever worked? <laughs> Have they ever, like, taken a record, resequenced it, remixed it, omitted songs, put other songs on, and actually made it more successful in the U.S.? No. It seems it's never worked, and I don't understand what the hell these get guys like, just put the record out like if you don't get it just say okay you know people in a significantly you know uh, a significant country do get it so we'll put it out and hopefully people like it and if they don't we'll move on like why would you think that you're possibly going to make it better by monkeying around with it and changing cr- just creatively changing it that makes absolutely no sense to me.
2: Right. Probably hasn't
0: worked since the Beatles.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Basically. I know because everybody thinks they're smarter than the next guy or the guy before them, So they've got to put their stamp on it and say, no, this is the correct version. But like, I don't understand, especially with this, with the song six. I mean, so many songs get edited down for radio. Why was it necessary to re-record the song entirely? Like, just if you think that's a single, just edit it down.
1: Yeah, I can see that. Like going to the band and hey, we we love this song. Could you do a radio edit of it, right? And we'll put that out, and then the full version will be available on the record. Like that is totally reasonable to say. You know, we need a three-minute song, so radio will play it. That that's that's within the realm of reason but to right. yeah completely re-record it or, or fundamentally change it and then not even make available the original version on the record makes no sense whatsoever no and then to resequence the record so now it doesn't make any sense at all
0: for right. anybody particularly when it's got all the segues and things and you know it's obviously been designed to run into each other in a certain sequence
2: right This would be like listening to Snoop Doggy Dog's Doggy Style and not having the skits in between the songs. (laughs) How would I make sense of the record if I didn't have the skits? I need the skits. It's exactly like that. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, All right. Let's talk about our ratings on this record. Is it a worthy album? Is it a better EP? Is it a decent single Jason in Australia, I am starting with you. Is this a worthy record?
0: Look, I guess on the UK track list, you got 70 minutes, so you could trim a bit without uh, jeopardizing its album. Um, I, I, st- I love it as a complete piece. Uh, you put a gun to my head and try to get it under an hour. Probably things like Shotgun, Television, even Legacy might be in jeopardy, but uh, still a, a worthy album for me.
2: Interesting. I agree with the Shotgun and Television. Those, those two could be could be uh dispersed, but uh, legacy that's uh that's an interesting one. Jason in the us seventy minutes my goodness u.s um, version 60 and that's
1: still a little too long for me. I'm at an EP to be fair I, I I can't maybe it's the sequencing that makes this this the second half of this record just uh very difficult for me to to really understand and, and get into. So I like you know the first five tracks, well except for Fallout. I like bits and parts of, of Cancer and some of the other tracks in the middle, and then I like Being a Girl quite a bit. So I'm probably around five, five total tracks that I like a lot.
2: Yeah, we're on the same page. I'm I'm about there too. I would, I would uh, take the first, I guess four tracks, and then Being a Girl, and that's my EP, and then maybe. I'd be do some, doing some slicing and dicing on some of the other tracks as a, as an editor and picking out the parts that I liked. I do, you know, I do like on cancer. I think that's got a nice instrumental section. Um, there's a couple other spots where I think there's some interesting, interesting instrumental sections. So there might just be, you know, a couple of bonus instrumental tracks. Uh, Cause I don't necessarily think his uh, vocals are as interesting or his melodies are as interesting on on the songs that work as well. So I'd probably go with more the music than than the vocal and the melody on some of those other tracks. I mean,
1: c- cancer. I just want him to hear hear him do a the song totally stripped down acoustic and all based around that. I'm emotionally raped by Jesus bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get to that part, you're like, what? What? What are they talking about? And then they kind of change to something else. And you're like, wait a minute, hold on a second. You yeah, back that yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Back that yeah. up. <laughs>
2: Rewind.
0: He's yeah, got well, some, he's uh, uh, apparently touring with this album shortly to you know correspond with the anniversary re-release. So I'll be very interested how he pulls off a you know end to end album live performance of this. Wow! Yeah, as as just a lead singer with set, with some session musicians.
2: Well, it looks like uh, they, he's just started a. It's an acoustic tour. Paul playing acoustic versions of. Manson plus his recent uh solo album called Spooky Action and some EPs uh, it's accompanied by guitarist Ben Sink who I'm not familiar with they're all in uh the UK all the all the stops I don't know I don't know what uh Chad is up to but I'd be interested to uh hear those guys you know play this together do a full do a full uh tour of these two records i've never yeah, heard little I, kicks i have no idea uh, what that sounds like
0: yeah i'm not sure they're uh, all on speaking terms these days so
2: ah, i gotcha. think it'll just
0: be paul draper carrying the torch and the other guys uh who i'm pretty sure aren't even in the music
2: industry anymore interesting interesting jason in australia in the future tomorrow <laughs> thank you so much for joining us and thanks for picking this record uh, and thanks for supporting the podcast. We greatly appreciate it. Um, Cheers. So want to remind people, you can go to www.patreon.com forward slash dig me out to become a part of the show. And then you can leave us feedback over at iTunes. We've gotten some feedback recently that was very kind. We appreciate the kind words. If you would like to leave kind words, we would greatly appreciate it as well. And we've got a poll coming up very soon. So if you have suggestions and you want to, you know, submit an idea for an album for us to review, it's probably going to make it into a poll this fall. Maybe we've got a lot of suggestions.
1: It's going to be like February next year.
2: Okay. We've got like 60. So, uh, yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. It's gonna take a
1: while. We'll get it out there. We'll get some feedback on it, and we, uh, we'll vote on it. But we are
2: deleting the on. ones that people suggested albums that we've already reviewed. By the way, yeah. if you yeah. if you say, uh, "Hey, you should check out X," and we've already reviewed X, we're just ignoring it, like it didn't happen, and we're not going to embarrass you and say we already reviewed this. We're just gonna be we're just gonna move on. <laughs> Let you figure it out on your own.
1: I might send you a quick email. Put <laughs> a link to the episode and say Merry Christmas. Your, your wish is <laughs> granted. Yeah, we did We've it. We've already done it.
2: Here you go. All right. For Jay and Jay, I'm Tim. We're out and we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out.
0: Thanks for listening. To support the podcast, visit www.patreon.com forward slash dig me out. And become a monthly subscriber at www.digmeoutpodcast.com, where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages, as well as our merchandise store at Zazzle.com.